from the book of Exodus, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, here we are, the third Sunday of Lent. We've been looking this whole Lenten season about the call of God on our lives in different ways. Started with Jesus, of course. You always start with Jesus. His temptation in the wilderness last week, Abram's call, and then today we look at the call of Moses. Now, normally we think of this as the story of the burning bush, right? The burning bush is a sideshow, frankly. The burning bush is how God uses to get what God uses to get Abram's attention. But the story isn't about a burning bush. It's about Moses and God. And so the idea I want to deal on, dial in on today is how does God call Moses, just like, and how does God's call on Moses reflect his call on you? Now Moses, as you may know, is a great big zilch, right? He's a nobody. He's a guy that uh, is of no account. But God calls him to challenge the most aggressive, narcissistic, warmongering dictator there was, Vladimir Putin. Oh, wait. I got to talk to my secretary about that. Sorry. Uh, Pharaoh was his name, the king of Egypt. That's Moses' call, right? Simple. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, right? Yeah, what could be easier? So we're going to look today at Moses' call. We're not going to talk about the Exodus today, but we are going to talk about how God calls Moses and the dynamic and how that actually reflects his call for you. Three things. Today, it's right out of the text. The God God that summons or calls. The God who warns. Take off your sandals, eh, Moses. And the God who discloses with his first name. So the God who summons. The God who warns, and the God who discloses his name. So first thing, Moses, Moshe. He's a famous dude, right? Moses is really well known, uh, but what people don't realize is that Moses is kind of a great big nobody. Before, you know, the whole let my people go and all that sort of thing, that's that's when it gets real big, but Moses before that is kind of a a nobody. He's a man of, of no account, and not only is he a man of no account, Moses is a man who is on the run. He is, uh, if you may know, he was, Moses is an Israelite. And he saw one of his fellow Israelites being abused by an Egyptian, and, he, and Moses takes a rake and kills him. Maybe it wasn't a rake, no one knows what it was, but he kills this Egyptian. And then the, and then the Israelite, who's so thankful, turns on him and rats him out, and so Moses has to run away. He is a man on the run. I can't, I said this in, in Rector's Forum this morning, I've got a country song in my mind on this. Right? A man on the run. And uh, so Moses runs away to Midian, where he is now. He's been there for 40 years. 40 years is a long time. I've never been on the run, so far, anyway. Uh, but imagine, here you are, on the run, right? You're, you're, out, you're, you're, out, of, you're out of Egypt because you don't want to get caught and, and, and executed. So when you're on the run, man, you're always looking over your shoulder, Right? I've never been on the run, but I watch a lot of cop shows, right? And they're always, you know, you're always kind of not sure what's going to happen next. You're living an, a, an age and a life of constant anxiety and fear and worry. Worrying, when is the shoe going to drop? And so Moses is a man who's on the run, man, and he's in Midian. Midian has been there for 40 years. He's making a living tending the sheep of his father-in-law. 
Yeah, thanks, Bob. And I wonder, and this is speculation, I'll admit, but he's, Moses is a person like you and I. I wonder, you know, I wonder in a situation like that when you've got a lot of time to think. I've never herded sheep either, but I know they don't do much. You just kind of watch them. And so he's got a lot of time to think. And I wonder if Moses, as he's out for 40 years tending sheep, thinks, you know, man, what if I hadn't, what if I hadn't whacked that Egyptian after all? What if I just let him go? What if I just turned a blind eye? What if I just hit his laptop, so to speak, right? What if I didn't do anything? My life would have been so much easier, so much better. I wonder, right? Moses is like you and me, man, right? So you think about stuff. You wonder, what if, what if, what if? But one thing I want you to stop and consider here is during this 40 years, and 40 years is a long time to be living in the state of unknown, just remember, just realize something important here, that during that 40 years, Moses is thinking about the past, he's living in the past, he's maybe even caring, stewing on the fact that this Israelite betrayed him, but all during that time, listen, God's working on him, just like God's working on you right now. And I want to just pause there, it's a, it's a side point, but it's an important one. Uh, God's delay is not God's deny. I'm going to say that again. I didn't make that up either. God's delay is not God's deny. You know, sometimes God works on a different time frame than we do. He's God after all, right? Sometimes God takes a long time to do things that we think he should do right now. Thank you very much. But just because things aren't clear to you at the time when you're in the middle of something going on in your life and everyone's got something, just because things aren't clear to you doesn't mean that things aren't clear to God and also doesn't mean that God has forgotten and have a plan for you. One of my dear friends, Bishop Ed Salmon, he's dead now, but when he was alive, he was hilarious. I love that guy. He was really bright and really wise and just had a great sense of humor. And he used to say to me in this southern accent, he was from Mississippi, I think, Father, he said, you know, Father, whenever I'd ask him a question about discernment, you know, I was impatient. He said, you know, Father, God is a God of clarity. Just like that. God is a God of clarity, and if you don't have clarity, that means you have to have patience. That's hard for me to hear. It's hard for you to hear. It's hard for Moses to hear. Forty years is a long time in Midian, tending your father-in-law's sheep. Patience is a hard pill to swallow. Patience is a virtue. You know what a virtue is? It's something you don't have by nature which means you have to acquire it. Patience is something you have to learn the hard way. You learn it through experience. And God had huge plans for Moses. Moses has no idea about any of it. But the one I want to challenge you on this morning is to see by example from this story today that God is a God of clarity. And when God wants you to move off the dime, he will give you clarity. He always does. And if there's no clarity, then be patient. If you're in Midian right now, to keep the metaphor here, if you're in Midian right now, a dry season, a season of confusion or uncertainty or whatever, fill in the blank, take heart, right? This God that ministers to Moses also ministers to the person in your seat. And God brings Moses to a place where he needs to be eventually. That's my first point. God summons Moses. Check this out. Exodus says that Moses fought, was followed, if you look at it again, Moses followed the sheep 
to the west side of the mountain. That word there is the backside, and it's meant to be a play on words. It is where the sun don't shine. So Moses' sheep take, you know, if you're on a mountain, the east side of the mountain in the morning gets the sun. So if you take the sheep around to the west side, it's dark, and it says it was the wilderness. Now, in the Jewish mind, wilderness and darkness are where bad things happen. But Moses goes, don't miss this, it's subtle, but it's super important. Moses goes to the dark side of the mountain, the place where the sun don't shine. Moses goes there, even though it's dangerous, and, and in that isolation, that darkness, that silence, that danger, God has Moses' undivided attention. And if it, it's interesting, Moses sees something. It says here, a bush that appears to be burning, but it's not consumed. That's weird. Huh. I've never seen that before. You ever had something happen to you in your life where you thought, well, that's weird. Someone says just the right thing at just the right time, or you're watching a TV show that comes on that you, that there's something that, that or listen to a podcast or something. Okay, maybe it is Google listening to your, your conversations on your iPhone, but if it's not, I'm kidding. Something that God places in your life, which is exactly what you needed at that time, it piques your curiosity. You ever have that happen to you? Yes, you have. And the interesting thing about this burning bush, we make this, we think of the burning bush as like this gigantic, like spectacular thing. It's not. The burning bush is not so odd as to be irrefutable. What do I mean by that? Well, if Moses worked hard enough, just like you do and like I do, he could have explained it away. After all, it's, it's dangerous back there. It's risky to be back there in the first place on the dark side, the back side of the mountain. He could have explained it away. It's a mirage, right? It's, the sun's getting to me. I've been following these sheep for 40 years. It's finally taken a toll, right? Moses could have, just like you, dismissed it. All the things that God places in, his, in your life that I do, it, we see this thing and we go, well, that's weird, and we walk away. It's not what Moses does, though. This is the key to the whole text. It says, Moses sees this bush which is not consumed, and, and it says, look at it again, verse 3, he turned aside to see this great sight. That word is the, in the Greek word, repent. It means to change direction. Moses makes a concrete decision to investigate what's happening. And verse 4, once Moses makes the move, once he goes, I'm going to check this out. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called him. Don't miss this. Don't miss the, what, what, what's going on here. There's a, something weird place in Moses' path. And the minute that Moses says, I'm going to go check this out, it's dangerous and it's scary and I'm in a really awkward place. But the minute he does it, God calls him. How many times has God confronted you? You know, when I was 19 years old, I may have told you this before, when I was 19 years old, I was almost killed in a drunk driving accident. Me and my friend, me, it was three guys. Me, my friend Bill, and my friend Mike. We all jumped into Bill's Toyota Celica, which you could pick up with one hand, probably, in these days. And we went down, we were going to jump in the car to get, go to Wawa to get some subs. We call them subs, or uh, hoagies in Philadelphia. Anyway, we jump in. I'm in the back seat. Bill's driving. Mike's in the passenger seat, because Mike was a baby. He would never sit in the back. So I gave in and did it, let him sit in the front. 
It's like hearing him complain. And I get back there, and we're pulling out of the driveway, and at the very last minute, we're literally pulling out of Bill's driveway. Mike says, stop the car, I'm staying here. So Bill puts the car in drive, Mike gets out of the front, I get in the front, and off we go. None the worse for wear, none the wiser. Until we're sitting on Route 1 in Chad's Ford, Pennsylvania, if you know it, and we're sitting in, uh, in, on Route 1 making a U-turn to go back to Wawa, which is across this other, the median. And we're sitting there, stopped, and a drunk woman hits us at 65 miles an hour, no brakes. We didn't even hear it. It wasn't even like a screech. It wasn't like the movies. It was just, I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, the whole thing just exploded. The car, the glass all shatters. The car spins around into oncoming traffic. I blacked out, frankly. I had no, I remember the car going, and I remember, then I remember waking up, and it was an EMT or a, uh, cutting me out of the car on the side here. And I'll never forget this. I was like, what just happened? I turned around, and the back seat of that car was smashed up and and completely to the front. If I had been back in that seat, I would be dead. So I had a a decision to make. (laughs) That's weird. Woo, that was a close one. Wow, dodged the bullet. Or, I got to really think about this. I got to really think through what this means. Has God spared me? I was not a Christian at the time. If Mike had, if my friend Mike had decided to stay in the front seat and be a baby like he always had, I would never have gotten in the front. I'd be dead. But now God had my attention, you see. So what's your story? Think of something in your own life where God grabbed you. Hey, you listening? What's your story? Where has God showed you his hand? Where has God presented you with evidence that you pursued, that you turned aside to see what this might be? I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it again because it's true. There is no such thing as coincidence. There may be things which don't matter. I said in, in, in Rector's form this morning, I'm wearing black socks, and Janie Binion's wearing a black dress. Does that matter? No. But there's no coincidences in life. So let me just challenge you in Lent. Take some time on the back side of the mountain. Take some time in the places where stop and listen to what God is calling you to. And when you, something is placed in front of you, Look at it. Pursue it. God does not call Moses until Moses responds to him. So God is a God who summons Moses. Moses! He's also a God who warns. Point two. So God calls Moses. Moses! Moses! Two times in Hebrew. There's no way to say it's an emphatic. So a double in Hebrew means, you know, Moses! Yo! Calls Moses out of the bush. And Abraham, sorry, Moses responds, here I am, which you could render, uh, here I am by myself. In other words, what he, the way he says it is, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm listening. You got my attention. You got me. And then what does God say? Moses, 10 push-ups, right? Stop and give me 20. Drop and give me 20. No. He didn't say kill an animal. He didn't say drop and give me 20. He doesn't say pray. He says, take your sandals off your feet, for you are standing on holy ground. Now, Why? Would God say, take off your sandals? It's a little strange. Here is God and Moses, Moses meeting God for the first time face to face, and God says, take off your sandals. It's kind of a strange thing to say. But if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Let me ask you. You guys live by the beach, right? Yeah? We live by the beach. This is Vero Beach. You ever go to the beach? 
And you know, when you're on the beach, it's not so bad, but getting onto the beach is not easy because there's like, you know, those prickly plant things and bottle caps and shells and twigs and the sand is hot. So what do you need to get on the beach? You need what? Sandals, right? And then you're on the beach, you're having a great time. When you get off the beach, what do you need? Sandals. If you don't have sandals, you can't walk. You can't run away. See, if you have no sandals, what God is saying is take off those sandals as Moses Stand fast and listen to what I'm going to say to you. Stop running away. Stop walking away. Stand right there and listen. Take off your sandals. If you're on the mountain, you can't run away if God, if you're not wearing any sandals. And let me just challenge you with this. God warns Moses to take his, not warn in the sense of like, or else I'll smite you, but warn like this. Make sure you know what the first thing is in your life. If you want to really, if you want a relationship with God, you got to take your sandals off, man. You got to be willing to stop and listen to what he is saying to you. To put God in place number one. God will take second place to no thing or no person. And so if you want a relationship with God, if you want to know who he is, you got to take off your sandals and you got to stand there and you've got to put him first. Just the other day I was watching, uh, I was working out and I had a TV on in the corner and uh, Tim Tebow, who I'm actually starting to really gained an appreciation for. Uh, Tim Tebow was on a, an airplane, and uh, somebody had a heart attack on the, on the plane, and he jumped up, and he reached over, and he didn't have to, right? He's rich. He's famous. But he did. And Tebow jumps over, and they show, I, there was a photograph someone took from behind of him reaching over the seat to help this guy who was eventually died of a heart attack, but he was ministering to this guy, trying to help him. He prayed over the guy and his family when the man was taken off the plane on a stretcher. Tebow went with the family, prayed with them, went to their hotel with them, make sure they were covered, make sure they were taken care of. In other words, Tebow didn't run away, man. He had his sandals off. He knew what comes first, and that's God, his father. So friends, Lent is a time for us to stand fast, to remove our sandals and to stand in the presence of God and listen to him and do what he says. How many of you take time every day to pray? Don't raise your hands. Well, you can if you want. How many of you, how many of you figuratively, not literally, well, maybe literally, but, all, but figuratively, take time out of your day to pray? You do everything else, you schedule everything else into your day, do you schedule in prayer, time with God, where you listen to him. God warns Moses, and he warns you, and he warns me. Stay frosty. Make sure you keep the main thing the main thing, and that main thing is him. So God is a God who summons us. He calls us. He also warns us, make sure you put me first. And he also is a God who discloses who he is. This is super cool. When God meets Moses, he says, Moses, you're going to go down to Egypt and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let, let, her, let my, my people out of there. Moses is like, what are you, crazy? I didn't say it like that, but basically, God, how can I do this? And, he, and God says, tell him that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent you. Okay, they would know what that means. And then he says, well, Moses, well, if they ask me your name, what do I tell them? And God says, tell them I am who I am sent you. Now, this is the first time that expression ever appears in the Old Testament. It's in, it's before, Moses wrote the, old te- the, book, the first five books of the, of the Bible, but this is the first time 
that this appears in the Old Testament. What does that mean? God says, tell them, I am who I am sent you. If that sounds to you like a nonsensical expression in English, guess what? It's a nonsensical expression in English. It doesn't mean anything in Hebrew or in English, or in Spanish for that matter, or anything. I am who I am is a nonsensical expression in Hebrew. You could say, I isness. And if you scratch your head and say, well, what exactly does that mean? That's the whole point. What God is saying is, this is my name, Yahweh. We say, Yahweh, Yahweh. Tell them, Yahweh, I am who I am. I am sent you. Tell them, I am. I am is God's first name, Yahweh. I want you to consider, when Moses says, how do I do this? God says to Moses, Moses, my name is I am, Yahweh. Tell them I sent you. It's like, a, like I'm talking to you conversation. Personal, intimate, man to man, name to name. You know, it's, it gets even stranger. If you fast forward 3,000 years, we see Jesus, right, who is the Son of God. And he is standing before a group of Pharisees in John chapter, chapter 8. And they say, and Jesus says, Jesus is saying about how Abraham was glad to see him. See Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, you're not even 50 years old. Abraham has been dead for 3,000 years. What do you mean Abraham was glad to see you? Jesus says, oh yeah, not only was Abraham glad to see me, Jesus says, John 8, 58, before Abraham was, Jesus says, I am. It's the same word. Jesus says, Jesus says to them, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, Jesus uses for himself the very same name that God gives to Moses from the burning bush, I am. The very same God who tells Moses to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go, is the same God of the New Testament named Jesus Christ. The same God who meets Moses in the burning bush is the same God, Jesus, who dies on the cross to save you from your sins. And this is the thing I want you to see. We see a God who summons us and a God who warns us. We see also a God who discloses to us. We worship a God who tells us his name. He's not some far-off deity like Allah or the Great Spirit, some woman on TV last week was, had a disease she was healed from, and she said, I just thank the universe that I'm better. I'm thinking, lady, what are you, high? The universe would, would obliterate you into a million little particles if it could. It could care less about you. That's another. But God is a God who's not only God, but he's personal. He's real. See, we worship a God who calls us, who summons us, who warns us to keep him first, and also invites us into relationship with him personally, and his name is Jesus. I am the same God who called Moses out of the bush, calls you today, friends. Jesus, the great I am, calls you to himself. He challenges you to follow him. He summons you to listen to him. And the question is, will you do it? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your call on our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the different circumstances, the signs you place in our life to get our attention, to draw us closer to you. We thank you, Lord, for the warning you give to us to always make you front and center, to put you first when we put other things in your way. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus who reveals himself to us as the I am. 
who spoke to Moses out of the bush, who speaks to us today in the Eucharist, and who calls us by name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.